You are listening to Talking Machines. I'm Catherine Gorman, and this week I am solo. This is our last episode for season four. We are wrapping up our season, and we've been so proud and honored to be able to bring you these amazing conversations with people working in the field um, and answer some of your questions and have some great discussions about all sorts of topics in the world of machine learning and artificial intelligence. And we wanted to bring you, our listeners, who we are so grateful for, something a little unique for our last episode of this season. So we are very proud to be able to present a TEDx talk, a lecture given by uh, Professor Finale Doshi Velez of Harvard. Um, it's all about the possibility of explanation. And I think the ideas in here are really fascinating, especially as we go into the Neural Information Processing Systems Conference. There's some really core um, ideas in here that are pretty amazing. So without much further ado, let's take a listen. I spend most of my day in front of computers, so I tend to take shotgun whenever I take a shared ride. This one time, I happened to mention that I'm on my way to give a talk about artificial intelligence. The driver's eyebrows go up. Y'all make robots? We got enough trouble without robots. Of course, I don't know the exact pattern of electromagnetic signals going through his brain at that moment, but I can guess. Skynet, Terminator, healthcare, I say. I work in healthcare. We match patients to treatments. Ah, you decide who gets what. And all of a sudden, despite being a generally small, unassuming female, I have become the man. <laughs> What can we do? <laughs> the thing is, though, thing is, he does underscore a very legitimate concern. AIs, while extremely powerful, are also extremely literal. And extremely literal problem solving, combined with an inaccurate problem definition, that was the reason behind our most recent mortgage crisis. Truth be told, an AI tasked to find the most cost-effective treatments to cancer would probably choose to end lives rather than save them. That said, I see great potential for AIs to improve our lives. In healthcare, we have too much data, electronic health records, social media, all of the published literature, it's far too much for us humans to be able to consume. In my lab, we leverage these massive data to understand how we can personalize treatment for HIV and depression, to understand the trajectories of children with autism. All of this would be impossible without AI. But if we're going to reap the benefits of what AIs have to offer, we must find ways to hold AIs accountable. Today, I'll tell you one way, through explanation. But first, let me make the challenges a little more clear. Where I work, most of my data comes from electronic health records. These records only contain views of the patient when they're very sick. They are entered by overburdened clinicians who see no benefit for their labor, and as a result, values often go missing. Or even worse, 
are at left at incorrect defaults. And that's just the start. A couple years ago, my colleagues and I designed a system to identify who was at high risk of dying in the ICU. And we fed it all the volumes of data that we had available, from the physiological monitors to all of the clinician's notes, everything. And we got some rock awesome AUCs. We were doing great at predicting when patients were likely to die. Our clinicians were like, how? This is amazing. So we started digging. And what we discovered is that oftentimes, our AIs were not actually using the volumes of data that we were making available to them. Instead, our super fancy AI had discovered that when the clinician writes down the word chaplain in the clinic note, it's often a bad sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, our patients were suffering from sepsis, and our AI had a really bad case of causality leakage. You see, what had happened is that the clinician realized that the situation looked grim, asked for the chaplain, and then an unfortunate event occurred. Meanwhile, our AI noticed the action that the clinician had taken, and he was using that action to make excellent predictions about what the clinician already knew. It was situations such as these that brought me to realize the value of AI systems that can provide explanation for their decisions. Because while explanation alone cannot guarantee causality or fairness or safety or any other hard to explain to a literal computer objective, having some insights into an AI's logic can help us identify when its recommendations are sensible and when they are not. Unfortunately, AIs are astoundingly complex. Modern AIs have millions upon millions of parameters, operating on tens of thousands of compute nodes, terabytes of memory, petabytes of data. And us humans? Seven. Plus or minus two. Seven discrete ideas or thoughts. That's about all that our memories can hold at one time. So, well, I guess there goes the explainability plan. If we wanted AIs that were explainable, we'd have to make them so simple that it would defeat the purpose of a tool that we could give large amounts of data in the first place. And even if we could magically understand all those bits and all those registers, forcing companies to reveal such detailed information would destroy trade secrets and hamper innovation. So faced with these realities, must we choose between accountability and progress? Well, no. I've been working with Bean Kim, Sam Gershman, and colleagues at the Berkman Klein Center to understand how we can have both. And the key point is that explanation is distinct from transparency. When I ask another human for explanation, I am not looking for the flow of electricity through their neurons. And similarly, when I ask an AI for explanation, I am not looking for the flow of bits through its registers. I'm looking for something that I can understand and utilize. Let's talk a bit about what that looks like. 
So for now, I'm going to focus on a case called local explanation. So that's explanation for a specific decision. In my world, in healthcare, this corresponds to why this patient got this drug, rather than trying to explain all the hairy process of how drugs are being recommended overall. This notion of context is extremely important. Cognitive science research shows that humans naturally give explanations tailored to the context at hand. A clinician might give one reason why an elderly patient was given a drug, and that explanation might be completely different for why a different drug was given to a younger patient with maybe some unlucky genetics. As humans, we don't expect these explanations to be the same or even consistent. What we do expect is that the explanation hold for similar circumstances, something that I'm going to call local counterfactual faithfulness. For example, suppose that you were denied a loan and you were told it was because you hadn't paid your last three. But then it turns out there's a bookkeeping error, right? It's all good. Um, you actually did pay your last three loans. Well, you would expect to get the loan. But then suppose that you had been denied your loan because of insufficient income. Then you wouldn't expect, no one in this room would expect, that if your prior payment history changed, the decision, the loan decision would change, right? So here's how we have expectations where we only expect to produce outcomes for similar related circumstances. These notions, these human notions of what we want from systems are good for designers of explainable AIs. In particular, ideas such as local explanation and local counterfactual faithfulness just mean that we have to explain a small part of an AI's decision-making logic, the part that's relevant for the context at hand. Even better, simple local boundaries, the kinds that are easiest to explain, are often also the best predictors. Knowing what we want from explanation, though, also highlights what's going to be hard. As humans, we have ways to convert all the firings of our neurons into warts. But AIs don't currently speak our language. They deal in pixels and power spectra, in the patterns of characters across a page. Explanation in terms of those inputs would be incomprehensible to humans. But these pixels often do correspond to things that humans do have names for, higher level concepts. For example, a collection of pixels might correspond to a hippopotamus or a cat. A collection of LIDAR measurements might correspond to a tree. The fact that a patient is taking lithium and has had anesthesia for electroconvulsive therapy might suggest that the patient has bipolar disorder. What's missing is a common vocabulary for these higher level concepts. Creating this higher level vocabulary, though, is going to require a joint effort. On the computational side, there's ongoing research 
to create AIs that share a language with humans. And in my lab, we've used ontologies of how diseases are related to each other in order to provide succinct summaries of disease and progression. The harder question in this case is how to make such systems faithful under counterfactual reasoning. For example, if I want to know if my system would have recommended the same drug had the patient not been obese, it would be nonsensical for me to change the weight input without also changing the BMI. On the policy side, creating a common language is going to require labels and examples, even when those labels are sensitive. Our current notion is that justice is blind. If there's information that shouldn't be used in a decision, we should just never collect it. The trouble with this notion is that AIs are very good at reconstructing things that they've never seen before. For example, given your location, your browsing history, your purchasing history, all things that companies can very easily buy, an AI could probably reconstruct your gender and race very accurately. And if we'd never collected that information about race or gender, we'd never know that our system was inadvertently discriminating. That's why now we have to think about AI with our eyes open. And we must give AIs the, the sens potentially sensitive information so that it does not inadvertently reconstruct information that it shouldn't be. Of course, this creates a host of nuanced questions. Like, how do we keep the humans who are programming the AIs with this sensitive information from misusing it, even while our AIs are not? And finally, creating a joint language is going to require all of us being ready to learn new concepts presented to us by our AIs, concepts that are end up being highly predictive or useful for tasks that we don't have names for right now. Before I finish, I started out with the question of how we can hold AIs accountable. And I just want to make clear that explanation is just one tool. It's best for situations when the problem is incomplete and we need to check the system's logic. In other situations, we can rely on proofs or guarantees. Our encryption systems are provably secure, and there's no further explanation required. Or we can rely on statistical evidence. If a new product recommendation system increases sales, Maybe we're happy with that, and no further explanation is needed either. The point is, we have the tools to create beneficial AIs, and we must. A short while ago, I visited my uncle in the hospital. He had just suffered a dangerous drop in blood pressure, not due to the heart condition that brought him in, but because someone had missed some data and prescribed him too much diuretic. Maybe humans can only deal in seven slots, but such errors are unconscionable when we have machines that can manage it all. To not use our tools to synthesize and manage all of our healthcare information is to accept all our current harms 
due to our current human inability. Inaction is a choice. And it is a choice with consequences. That said, AIs are extremely literal, and they may act in incorrect and unexpected ways. And thus, we have the moral imperative to use these systems wisely. I'm convinced we can. I'm convinced that we can take advantage of all the potential for good that AIs have to offer while also holding them accountable. AIs are not so impossible to understand, and we can and sometimes should demand explanation from them. And if you continue to doubt, take a look at the beautiful computing system seated to your right and to your left, with billions of neurons firing away in patterns that are far too complex for you to follow, and yet you understand them. It sometimes takes attention and work, but it is possible. And so too it is with our machines. Thank you. Professor Finale Doshi Velez uh, of Harvard, and she was delivering that talk, The Possibility of Explanation, at TEDx Boston in 2017. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending your time with us over this, the course of this last season. This is our last episode for this season, but we are headed off to the Neural Information Processing Systems Conference to talk to lots of great people, do more interviews, and we'll be bringing you all of those conversations in 2019. So I hope you can join us and tune in next episode. <laughs>